This is Tamarindo Podcast. I'm Brenda Gonzalez. And I'm Ana Sheila Victorino. This is the Latinx Podcast where we discuss politics, pop culture, and how to balance it all con calma. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome to another episode of Tamari the Podcast in the Closet, brought to you by the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, Ana Sheila, welcome back to the Closet. Mm-hmm. I know that we, you are probably still on cloud nine from a fabulous event that took place ayer, yesterday. Although, of course, you, when the listeners hear this, it'll be a few days after that. But can you please tell us about Teatro Luna and Tamarindo's recent partnership, the story storytelling workshop that happened via Zoom? So what are the highlights? Yes, gosh, it was so beautiful, Brenda. So the event was called Your Story is Your Superpower. And that's what I feel like we were all kind of coming in touch with, you know, it was beautiful. Um, I started it off by, you know, I'm not an expert in teaching storytelling. So my contribution to the event is I actually led a little grounding exercise and walked the participants through kind of how to set intentions and how to set a soft intention for the event. So kind of, you know, grounded us in, in, in the exercise and yeah, it was, we had an amazing turnout and, and it was just a testament to how much people need these kinds of offering and how healing writing can be, you know, so whether you're using it for because you want to share your story with the world or whether you just need it for your own personal and and growth, you know. Fantastic. Fantastic. So there was a lot of people. I think there was what, 90 plus registrants. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For us. <laughs> for us. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's an event we, that we really wanted to host because it's, it's part of our mission as Tamarindo, you know, to, to amplify our voices and our stories. And we want to hear more of yours, more of your voices and more of your stories. So this event was, you know, was all about that. Fantastic. And we have a joint matraca today to the fabulous team of Teatro Luna for, for basically putting, pulling it together. It's amazing. Yeah. Joint matraca. Okay. Joint matraca for Teatro Luna. <laughs> Shout out to them. They, and they're the, they were the storytelling experts that, that brought in the great content for that partnership. So much fun. Originally, this was going to be a live event, right? That we ended up pivoting to do it virtually. And so it was just beautiful that we were actually able to provide this workshop for so many more people than we even anticipated originally because we did it virtually. So that was really cool, too. Excellent. Well, you know what? Someone else that has adapted to the times is actually today's special guest. We have actor and comedian Carlos Santos, who plays Chris Morales, one of three cousins that are the central characters in the Netflix show Hentified. Personally, I think that his character steals every scene. I just really, really identified with Chris Morales, like the uh, coconut, the whitewashed Mexican, if you will, of the series and just the way he was kind of struggling with his identity. I'm sure that spoke to a lot of our listeners. So it was super cool to have you and Ashayla get a, get a chance to interview Carlos. It was so, so much fun. And you know what? It was, it was great. And I got to preview the, the interview and I have to say that it was surprisingly comforting Carlos's take on how everybody is dealing with the coronavirus in their own way and that every single way is fine. Like every single way is perfectly acceptable for how we are all coping with what's going on today. Super cool. Exactly. 
Before we dive into that interview, though, a couple things. One is we're going to have a, a PSA for y'all. But also, I thought we could maybe quickly also tell folks that we have more of this virtual gatherings happening. We're actually hosting a podcasting workshop. So that's coming up. And you can follow, basically go to our website, com for everything that we've got going on. And when you go in there, you could actually sign up for our newsletter. We are going to preview our newsletter very, very soon. And we want all you to... Uh, not miss out on any of the Tamarindo Chisme. So stay connected and sign up for that. Anything else we should highlight for our folks? Or is that it? We have a lot. <laughs> I think that's it. We're, we're, doing, we're doing what we can for y'all. <laughs> yes, doing, doing what we can with creativity of using digital tools so that we can keep this thing going, even though we can't be together in the studio. I miss you, Anna Shayla. I miss you too, Brenda. Well, Zoom will have to do. All right. So let's uh, first take a quick break and then we'll be right back with our chat with Carlos. Listeners, we have some important information we want to share with you from Unidos U.S., the largest Latino civil rights and advocacy organization in the country. We know that even in the best of times, making healthy decisions can be tough, and the coronavirus and economic crisis hitting our country isn't going to make it any easier. As schools nationwide are closed to help stop the spread of coronavirus, millions of children are flocking to digital platforms and are being exposed to an environment where their rights and health are at risk. That's because there's a surprising way that your child's online activity can harm their health. When food and beverage companies aggressively target them with advertisements for junk food, while many sites and platforms provide an educational lifeline and respect children's digital rights, marketers rely on big data and digital techniques to blur the lines between content and advertisements and reach children and teens through websites, social platforms, and mobile devices, making it tough for even the most involved parent to protect their kids from these practices. Unidos U.S. believes that the practice of targeted marketing is a major racial and health equity issue because companies specifically target children and youth of color with marketing for foods and drinks that are low in nutrition and high in sugar, salt, and fats. Doing this reinforces health inequities where Latino children are more likely to suffer from obesity or are more likely to develop diabetes and or heart disease as adults. This practice is especially harmful to the nation's Latino children. They get a double dose of targeted marketing in both English and Spanish, increasing the number of ads designed to negatively influence their nutrition choices. This issue might take a backseat to basic coronavirus survival. There is hope that when this crisis is behind us, Congress will do the right thing to better protect kids in the digital space. Until then, you can learn more about digital privacy and food marketing and what it means for your kids with some of the resources that we'll have link in our show notes. We want to make you aware and to remind you that even the most caring and informed parents find the changing digital space tough to navigate and to keep up with, but it's worth trying for the health of our children. You can learn more at unidosus.org. All right, it's so dope. I have Carlos Santos, the actor and comedian that you can currently catch on the Netflix series Gente Fario. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. ¿Cómo estás? Todo bien. Aquí en la cuarentena, you know, just surviving every day. Having this wonderful routine of uh, waking up and then going back to sleep at the end of the day. 
I feel that. So I had the chance to meet you after your stand-up set at the Laugh Factory before La Rona shut everything down. Yeah. You were such a highlight for me that I told myself, all right, I'm going to be that groupie girl. I'm going to go try to find him after the show to tell him how much I loved his set. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's very, very, very kind of you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I remember uh, I very smoothly asked you what I knew you from, like beyond Hentified. And yeah. you very graciously humored me and helped me remember that I've actually been watching and laughing with you ever since MTV, MTV Tres. <laughs> yes, MTV Tres back in the day. It's been back in the day. Yeah. I mean, so for those that don't know, it was a channel targeted to Latinos in the U.S., and I remember like just being so grateful for that content and like the, the little that I've learned to dance, I feel like started. Oh, wow. That's a this. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. It started in 2006 and I, I did it for four years, but it's like interesting because every decade at the beginning of, I feel like there's always that, that movement that comes out like that point that was going and uh, happening uh, through cable TV. And now it's all happening online, right? Like you can see it on right. like, me too, or the Flama started like a while back. It's not longer, but these type, these type of uh, like internet companies or shows have popped out. I think every 10 years or so to create, to kind of like fill in that need, that kind of content. Right. And I feel like at the time, that's what we had. Mm -hmm. So I'm going yeah. to be in 2020, but thank you for being part of my adolescence. Every, or how do you say that word? Anyways, Adolescencia. <laughs> Adolescencia. but, um, so most of our, our listeners probably know you as, Chris Morales, one of the three cousins at the center of the Netflix series, mm -hmm. Hentified. And if y'all have not watched Hentified, all I can say is you better get on it. I mean, it what else are you doing? You know what I mean? For real. You have all the time in the world. For real. This is true. This is like the perfect time. Like I binged, I binged it for sure. So we and Tamarindo, we, we love the show and we love the, just the opportunity to be able to see our lives and our experiences represented by people that that look like us, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of us have really related to your, your, your character as the, the you know, the güero, mm -hmm. kind of the white bash Latino or whatever you want to call it, or just this, and this notion of not being Mexican enough or not being blank enough. Right. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about how that aspect of the character relates to your personal experience and, and how you think about and embrace your identity? What I held on to or what I came in with was the fact that I left Puerto Rico when I was young. When I, after my freshman year of college, I left Puerto Rico. So to me, that came from trying to find, leaving my family behind and trying to, from that point on, trying to find a circle of people that could uh, substitute that out here. When I was in college, when I, and then uh, when I moved to LA, I, so there's always been that yearning of trying to find that sense of belonging. That's kind of like where I, that was my, my clue into the character. In terms of identity, I feel like I was very lucky because I grew up like in Puerto Rico and I was ignorantly blissful of the, you know, like those type of problems until very late in the game. I, I feel like I always, I joke about this. Like I, I didn't realize I was brown until I got to, Fres I went to Fresno State because people started pointing it out everywhere I went. I was like, oh, wow, this is a new thing for me. But I was already like in my late teens. So I was already like 18 or 19 by that point. I feel like I had developed my sense of like as a person and I was middle class growing up in Puerto Rico. So I feel like, you know, it was perfect. It was like, I didn't get everything that I wanted, but I didn't, I basically had a pretty stable upbringing so that I feel like I was able to focus then on things that unfortunately a lot of people don't get a chance to, you know, when they grow up in certain places out here in the U S where they feel like they're not enough or they feel like, you know, I, I feel like I had that kind of like well-rounded upbringing. So when I came out here for the first time, I got to see it from like a different point of view. I got to see it from like, uh, like a third party perspective and to comment on. And I feel like that helps me as a comedian too, because I've been able to see it kind of like affect me 
but from like a distance in a way. Yeah. So that I feel like that's, that's what I kind of brought into Chris because not necessarily identity part, but the wanting to belong. And unfortunately, uh, you know, you, uh, in your life, you always end up trying to make yourself be friends with people that are not necessarily good for you, but you just, the desire to belong sometimes supersedes the, uh, reality that certain groups of people are not good for you hopefully when you grow up and you get older you realize oh okay these this is toxic let me let me like walk away from this but that's been the journey for me so there's definitely always been a little bit of chris you know uh in me growing up so i definitely tapped into that well we love what what you're doing with the character of chris it seems like you're really like you really enjoy it yeah I'm wondering, do you, do you get to improv a little yeah. bit? Like, it seems like this is definitely, I, I keep thinking, I'm like, is this Carlos or is this Chris? Because it seems like your personality, just your personal personality. Oh, my seems- personal personality. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, you know what? I was very lucky. It was a very collaborative environment. I have to say right off the bat that the writing was so good. Because I also, I feel like a lot of people improvise and they disrespect the writing. And I come from a very respectful place when I improvise where I'm trying to, everything that I do is to enhance what's already on the page. And I feel like the writing was so good and so specific that it gave me such a a wonderful sandbox to play around. But also having said that, on top of the great writing that allowed me to live in this space the the team was very collaborative which i've also been in projects before where people are so precious about their words like i feel like you can never reach the heights of what you could with a character if you're bound to say every you know it just depends right also if you're dealing with martin scorsese yeah i'm gonna say every word that you you know like it's but it you know what i mean like certain projects i i want to give i respect people and certain projects that you have to do that but in in this case i feel like uh, my character and what he's going through and like just like the energy and the vibe that he's bringing into the show and the characters that he relates to. I think it is a space of like kind of improv, but my improv, like I said, it comes more as a, as a direct result of trying to find the truth of what's happening around. And I think that's also very um, true to his character because he's always in this space. He's always trying to belong. He's always trying to fit in. And that comes from that. You're responding to your environment and you're trying to find your place. And I feel like that's also very similar to what mm. happens when you're improving. Because when, as an improviser, you're always trying to find your, your spot. You're always trying to find the context of what's happening and you're trying to add something to it. And so thankfully, everything kind of just came together and it made for the uh, most amazing experience of shooting, uh, you know, and living with a character for 10 episodes, which I had never done before. This is the first time I do a series regular role. And I couldn't have asked for a better everything. I mean, it was just like, it was a dream. It was a dream come true for sure. So I guess shifting to your experience in comedy, there's some comedians that lament what they feel is a culture that in a way is kind of stifles comedy or or somehow is is policing them. Yeah. And I'm wondering as a comedian that is, is thoughtful to many you know, more serious topics, including the Me Too movement, which you actually brought up during your, mm-hmm. your stand-up set and did very thoughtfully. What do you say to those voices and how would you describe the shift that you see in comedy today in, in your approach? So it's a very delicate issue. Uh, first of all, the mere fact that you're asking me this question is already something that's interesting because what's been happening, and this is before I even ask, I feel like I have to say this now, like preface it, before I even answer a question, because I think what's happening now is that people's opinions are being weaponized against them. So it's creating a place where instead of saying, oh, I, I, instead of people saying, oh, 
I can understand. I don't agree, but I can understand where this person's coming from. Immediately, it's like, oh, I don't agree with this. You're a racist or something. You know, like it's always. I feel like people just are firing off the gun in general, not even for comedians. That it's just made it even harder because as as a as a tool, that's what comedy is. Uh, the problem is that now there's the sense of irony or the sense of parody or satire is so uh, thin right now. People just don't have the the window of tolerance for mm. stuff like that. Because in the past, when you would like you would do a character like a despicable character, you would say like the joke is like this is the basis for a comedian to say a joke that's really bad or shock or shocking. It's basically saying this is so absurd that me by me just saying it aloud, I'm I am saying that I don't believe in this character. And so everybody can laugh at how crazy this situation is. Unfortunately, now people are in a place where if they laugh at that, it's almost like in the back of their head, they say that they are agreeing with that philosophy. And so that is why now, unfortunately, we're at a place where if somebody makes a joke and people are kind of like, oh, people are going to get offended or whatever. They don't want to laugh because somehow uh, we are at a place where, oh, you're bad at, you're bad for laughing at that. As opposed to, well, this is bad. We could, the only thing we have you know, in our human situation, our human uh, nature uh, is to laugh at the, at the most inappropriate things because it, it always, obviously it comes from, right. it's cathartic. It should have, it's always been cathartic. Comedy has right. been transformative and cathartic. Right. Comedy is a tragedy, right? right? <laughs> uh, and unfortunately that's the place where we are right now. I, and in terms of comedians, I just feel bad for people that only know that language though. If they've only, if they're either only like way into their content or their comedy is pushing buttons or, or being shocking, then unless you've earned it, because I feel like people like Dave Chappelle have earned the right to say whatever he wants, uh, because we, he has such a, a, an amazing career that if I feel like some people have earned, you know, like if he says something questionable, it, it should, for the most part, that hasn't stopped people from like hitting on him. But for the most part, if you know that he's a type of comedian that will push certain boundaries, but there's a point to what he's saying, I think they've earned the right to kind of like playing those lines that were, it was a normal thing for a lot of comedians to do back in the day. And when I say back in the day, I mean, five years ago, 10 years ago, like it wasn't even that long ago. But unfortunately, if you're starting out and that's the only language, you know, I think you are, unless you want to make it a crusade, you know, if it's, if it's, you know, because I, I respect a lot of comedians that say, I don't care. Because it is for a lot of, for a lot of us, I mean, you take up the mantle of like, I'm going to fight for the good fight of, you know, freedom, freedom to uh, express yourself and freedom to do whatever you want with your comedy. So it's a very interesting time to be in. Uh, I personally, until we get to a place where people are offended when you make fun of my, you know, of yourself, then I'll be fine. Cause I'm usually, I'm usually pretty <laughs> self-deprecating. So, and I, I have no problem making yeah. fun of myself and hopefully we won't get yeah. to a place where people are like, Hey, don't make fun of yourself. I'm offended by that. Well, I think that like the, the issue that people take is like you, when you're making fun of yourself, you're, you're doing it from like a, a deep self-awareness of the issues and the way that you're perceived from, from mm -hmm. other people. Right. And so, so like, I think that that's what, why, why when we make fun of ourselves, it isn't the same as, as making fun of others. Right. Right. I still feel like it's very important. Like for me, I even do self-deprecation, but I do, I mean, I think there's a target that I've always held on to, which is cultural ignorance and, and not even cultural yeah. ignorance or ignorance yeah. in general, but arrogant ignorance that to me, like people can say, well, if you are dumb, right. Or you don't know, or you don't have information, you don't have access. You're going to be a certain type of way. 
and everybody, like I've, I've said before, I've said many times, everybody has a right to be an ignorant person. I think when you get to a point where you're arrogant about it, that's when you, I feel like you've crossed the line because you are so proud of the fact that you don't know information. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that definitely, I think to me, that's mm -hmm. where I've kind of like, well, that's, that's a target that I feel very comfortable, you know, addressing because I think that's ultimately yeah. the, the biggest problem that as humans, it's our ego, our arrogance. I think that's what always, our insecurities always lead to some really crappy decision-making. So we've also been loving your quarantine content and I'm more, we're wondering how this quarantine experience has kind of shifted or inspired your, your creative muscle. Like what, what have you seen come out of this, this period? When I was at MTV, I'll preface it by saying when I was at MTV, I did a lot of sketch comedy, but I, I basically did a lot of stuff on my own. So I wasn't a part of like, when I first started doing the show, which was just like a regular hosting show. I started to ask for spaces where I could do sketches right at the uh, cold open at the beginning. And it just started to create a comedy environment for myself because ultimately I liked hosting, but what I liked most about hosting was when I was doing comedy, comedy was always the number one goal. So uh, that turned into me for many years at MTV, self-generating a lot of stuff by myself. So I feel like I spent a lot of years in New York just like by myself writing scripts, producing and editing to the point where now I kind of like, I, I bristled away from like doing stuff by myself and wanting to collaborate with people because I feel like I think brainstorming and collaborating with people is the best situation. I feel like I, I'm at the top of my game if I'm bouncing stuff off of people personally, especially after being, having to bounce off stuff, you know, off of myself. And so like, I never really spent time with social media, like uh, in terms of creating content, like I kind of like bristled away from creating you, like my, I have a YouTube channel, but I, I never really like started making characters. I never started doing anything specific. I actually work for other people's channels. Cause again, that goes with me wanting to work with other people other than uh, working, uh, by myself, but being here and having no option, I think once the quarantine started, it was really allowed me, I think like my brain is it's almost like I've given myself permission to really explore that. And I have everything that I need in my, in my apartment. So I feel it also helps that we're, since we're all as a, as a, as a, as a whole community, like the globally, we're all going through the same thing. And I think it's easy for my brain to just like now process this through either sketches or characters or jokes or memes. And so the one thing that I have is I don't have a schedule. So I just, I just let my brain kind of roam. Sometimes in a week, I'll come up with a bunch of stuff and then I'll just do it in the moment. Sometimes I, I won't, but I definitely won't put pressure on like, Oh, I got to put something up cause it's Tuesday. And yeah. so, but the good, the good thing is that I, it's fun to revisit the space because it's definitely, I have a shorthand. Obviously I created a shorthand naturally. I created a shorthand with myself. So coming up with stuff and shooting it in the moment and having just kind of like that kind of space to do it here. Cause I don't have anything else to do is it's, it's good. It's uh, it's therapeutic. You know, I get to, I get to have my voice kind of like presented. Yeah. And then also like, I don't care if it goes viral or not. I'm really just kind of like, this is my therapy in terms of creating content. And if it connects with somebody in any way, then, then good. Well, it's connecting with a lot of people. But yeah, no, I love that. It's, it's, it's just for you and whoever it connects with. And, and it also seems very liberating to be able to work like that right now. I just also see a lot of people that are kind of like a slave to it. And, you know, everybody deals with quarantine, how they're going to yeah. deal. I think I, one of the last things I did with my abuelo character is that I just... What I love about my abuelo character that I do is that he's very like, he's, I, I'm able to say whatever I wouldn't normally say. So like, uh, aggressively. 
So yeah. I get to live within that guy and just yeah. say whatever I want. But the truth is like people, you know, like people have been making, it's interesting because we're all going through this quarantine and then you started to see people say, Hey, if you don't write that script, Hey, if you don't do this thing, Hey, if you don't write, it's almost like shaming people for not being productive when that's not the right. point of like you, people are going to survive how they're going to survive. Like in traumatic moments, I want to start cleaning but that doesn't mean that's going to, you know, like I've realized that in my moments of most traumatic right. uh, situations, my brain just like turns into, okay, I got to clean my apartment. It's something maybe that I have to drop, but I'm saying that I can't <laughs> right. go to tell people, Hey, clean your apartment and you'll feel better yeah. about it because that everybody has their own thing. A lot of people like not doing anything is good and doing everything is good. And somewhere in between, we're all, you know, in that spectrum, we're all living in between those two right. things. So I feel like the most important thing is like, not yeah. the shame. I mean, that's what I kind of, I had been seeing a little bit online. So that's why right. I'm kind of reacting to that. No, I, I really appreciate you bringing that up because it's, it's actually a point that we've been driving home um, on Tamarindo on our, on our episodes and, and on our social, because we're seeing so much of that, you know, like, like really like the most important thing for you right now, for anyone is to figure out what do they, what do you need to get through this period? Like, what do you mm -hmm. need the most? Not what you think you should be doing because like, fuck everybody else, you know, <laughs> like you need to do what, what you need to do to take, to take care of yourself. Like that needs to be the number one priority. And everyone does that differently. Wow, that was such a cool chat with Carlos. One thing I really liked is that he he processes anxiety with cleaning and that is so fucking relatable. <laughs> right, girl, girl, my room is so clean and I think it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely been impacted by by want staying, you know, as peaceful as possible during corona. But yeah, that was so much fun. Yeah, I know it was, it was really interesting to see a different side of, of someone that we normally know as a comedian and just see him, see him through a comedic lens. I, I thought it was really interesting, his experience um, that he shared about his identity, you know, being from Puerto Rico and growing up there and how that influenced how he saw himself. I thought that was interesting. I thought it was really interesting how, um, you know, he had sort of kind of self-quarantined and that how that kind of before before all this and in, in, in a, his own personal way and how that affected how he's been handling this through, you know, creativity and, and you know, cleaning and et cetera. So, yeah, super fascinating. I'm sure his house smells like fabuloso. <laughs> that's what i smell i'm pretty sure that my we have some fabuloso at my house right now it's all oh, every household every household <laughs> speaking of the comfort that we took away from uh, his take on the virus this is a good time to maybe have a calma moment we haven't done one of those for a while so so anna shayla you got a, a calma for us today yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, so I want to talk about mindfulness and I know we've talked about it in so many ways, but I want to get into it a little bit more and then also introduce a tool to kind of help you discover what things might help you best during this time. So as a reminder for people that aren't familiar with the term mindfulness, so mindfulness can be defined as paying attention to the present moment without judgment. So a lot of our suffering comes from spending more time than we should in the future or in the past, right? So thinking too much about something that we regretted doing or thinking too much about things that we, that are happening in the future that we're worried about, right? And this is even more true during this period because it literally is even more uncertain than most, of, most times in our lives, right? Like we really don't know how this is totally gonna play out. So that's why mindfulness practices become even more important because it's even more important in these 
times to protect our well-being, right? So it, these so mindfulness practices are things that help us stay more focused on the present and that help us stay grounded. So examples of these, you know, we've talked about a lot about these, but for 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 those that, that aren't as familiar with them, meditation, digital detoxing, journaling, exercise, cooking, walks in nature, listening to music. These are just some examples of mindfulness practices that both help you stay in the present more and also help you stay grounded. What are some of your your, your favorite uh, mindfulness practices or, or grounded grounding practices, Brenda? Well, um, you know, I've been thinking a lot. I know I've mentioned this before, but I've been thinking thinking a lot about the book, The Power of Now, because I, I have, of course, like I'm sure all of you are in some group text with your girlfriends or your buddies dealing with everything that's going on right now. And we, we had, we basically, my, my, a couple of my friends and I were having these very, um, negative spiraling because it was just it is overwhelming the uncertainty is overwhelming and, and it just made me realize that the only thing we can which we can't control anything that's the message that i got from power of no and now and mindfulness is that you really you have no control so why waste your energy in in things that you cannot change and instead work, focus on this precise moment and it's very difficult to do but that's been helpful because really you can't do anything about the uncertainty so also some of the takeaways from getting to spend time with you, Anna Shayla, one thing that I started doing is I've been waking up very early only because it's so damn hot here in Joshua Tree. And so I wake up with the sunrise and before I look at my phone, before I do anything else, I've been attempting to meditate, which is really hard. I've never been successful at it or, or maybe I don't even know what success looks like, but I'm going for it, right? I'm trying. I'm doing these 10 breaths at least where all, all I'm doing is focusing on the breathing and not on the fact that there's all kinds of horrible shit going on all over the world or the fact that there's people going, this is the first of the month and people may not be certain about whether they're going to get a paycheck. I mean, there's so much going on and it could be so frustrating and I can be very angry if I let myself think about it. But if I just reel that back and focus on the moment, it's really provided a little bit of relief for me. Uh, I love that, Brenda. And one thing I want to say is like, I think just letting go of like, the, am I doing it right? Or am I being successful is like the first thing you that you should try doing when you meditate, because even expert meditators have thoughts or, you know, your mind will wander like every single person. So Actually, just you sitting and trying, your brain is actually already like scientifically like seeing the benefits of that, like in in, in a positive way. So that's Love cool to know, it. right? Matraca for so, me. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and starting your day like without going straight to our phone is so is so critical because so that we don't right away download all this anxiety producing you know information. So, yeah. so, so a lot of us already might have set practices that you do, you know, to, to focus on staying present and, and grounding yourself and maybe others are still discovering what they are. So, but what I want to introduce today is how, because one thing that's, for example, that I've noticed is that during this time, what I've needed has changed to stay present and stay grounded. Like I've introduced walks to my, to my routine and that's not something I used to do. And I found them really helpful. And so what I want to suggest you doing is, is checking in with yourself and the way that you can do this is as I'm calling it taking your vitals and, and, and we, I, we've, this is a, a tool that we use at the wellness company that I co-founded. And so what you want to do, because basically you're trying to test different things and see how they make you feel, right? Are they actually helping your stress reduce? Are they helping you have more energy? And so what you want to do is you want to try a new, a new activity. So for example, it could be meditation. It could be journaling. So you want to try it, let's say in the morning, first thing, you, you try this practice and after you finish, so after you finish meditating, let's say you put a timer on the clock for 10 minutes and you meditate, 
So after you meditate, what you want to do is you want to take your vitals. And what that means is check in with yourself. And how do you, how, how stressed do you feel? So let's say um, a little bit stressed, medium stressed, or, or a lot stressed. And so kind of just, you know, take a few moments and think about how stressed do you feel, right? And, and, and assign yourself, you know, okay, I feel just a little bit stressed or not at all stressed, right? And then the next thing you want to do is think about your energy level. Do you feel like you have a little bit of energy, medium energy, or a lot of energy? So then you can kind of tell like what activities are really helping you depending on, on how you're feeling. And so you can, what I would recommend is kind of introducing, if, you, if, you're, if you're needing to change your routine, introducing one activity, kind of testing how it makes you feel. And then if it helps, then that's the one that you keep doing. If it doesn't, then you try a different one. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. I One thing that occurred to me is that, I mean, I get a lot of energy and I feel really pumped up when I'm working out. And it's, so yeah. I would say that's high energy, but yeah. is, is that considered bad? Or, I mean, am I, is it a bad thing if I, I rate that a three because I got high energy? My stress would be a zero and my right. energy would be a three. I, I guess I'm trying to understand, is is energy levels necessarily bad? Or is it just no, no, no. on energy, what you're energy, No, because energy can, can, can be really good too. Yeah, like maybe what you need, it doesn't, a lot of times energy, like high energy and you, yeah, like having low stress and high energy a lot of times is, is, is the, it is true and it, and is good. I love it. Cause that's exactly how I feel every time I do exercising. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's um, cool. Well, yeah, thank you. So we're going to basically, uh, un reto for all our listeners to just write that down, right? To check, take your vitals and check in with yourself. So it's, yeah, it's so, uh, yeah, I love it. Fabulous. Yeah, so you just basically, you're, you're, you're looking for what, what activities are really energizing you and reducing your stress and then kind of testing, just tweaking, introduce one by one, test one by one so you can see how each activity impacts you rather than maybe switching out your whole routine and doing like three different things that you've never done before. Very cool. Okay, excellent. That gives everybody something to try out this next week <laughs> in La Cuarentena. Yes. La Cuarentena, well, Cuarentena day. What day are we even on? I don't like know. 50, I heard. Uh, so I think it's 50, but okay. Okay, no, <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. We've got a lot, a lot of stuff cooking. We love producing this show for you all. Uh, don't forget to write us your love notes. It was so good to see you, Anishela, even though it's via the Zoom. <laughs> and, and under your blanket. <laughs> under my blanket, while, which I, while I'm, in the I'm, trying, <laughs> I'm trying to hold it high enough where you could still see my face but it keeps falling anyways <laughs> <laughs> well hasta luego and until the next hasta time ponte, ponte un suéter everybody <laughs> ponte una máscara. <laughs> máscara there you go that's the new one until further notice <laughs> yes bye The Marino Podcast is independently produced by Ana Sheila Victorino and Brenda Gonzalez. Jeff DeVoe provides original music and sound engineering, and Michelle Andrade provides editing and production support. Follow us on Instagram at Tamarindo Podcast and at Twitter at Tamarindo Cast. And if you like the show, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com.
Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI, FPEI, 220099 With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.